So if you have your Bibles or electronic devices, I'm going to have you either click to or turn to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, verse 5 is, is where we're, we're going to be. And then we're going to use James chapter 4 as a commentary on, on Matthew chapter 5. And so we've been looking at the Beatitudes. It's commonly referred to these eight Beatitudes, the eight blessings of God. In other words, how God, how God blesses you in each season of, of life. And, and he, starts, he starts these Beatitudes off, blessed are. In other words, he begins talking about this theology, this foundation about how to, how to have God's favor on your life, how to have God's favor on your relationships, how to have God's blessing on, on your life. And, and so Matthew chapter 5, verse 5 is the beatitude for today. We're just looking at one beatitude uh, every weekend. And so here's what the beatitude says. He says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And if Jesus says that God blesses those who are meek, then I, I want to understand what meek means. I want to understand what it means to have meekness in my life. I mean, we, we, live, in a, we, live, in a, we live in a culture and we live in a time that, that, one, we really don't use that word meek any longer. And, and two, we, we don't really understand it because the culture that we live in, it is a hard-driving culture. It's ego-driven, hard-driven. It's market-driven culture. And so you don't hear a lot about meekness. And, and the reason why is because I, I don't think we really understand what it means. I mean, there's some people, when they hear that word meekness, they think it means weakness. But God says absolutely not. Fact is, God says it's, meekness is the opposite of weakness. Fact is, weakness is like, like this strength. I mean, I mean, when you just start looking at it, it's, it's weak people who are arrogant. It's weak people who are, who are like prideful. It's weak people who are like rude and mean and gossips and like they, they try to control people. They try to manipulate the situation or they really just try to intimidate people. I mean, those, what the, what, what the scriptures tells us, those are really weak people. And so, so what scripture says is, is, is the strong people in relationships, the strong people in life are those that, that, that are meek. And so when you, when you look at this Greek word meek, uh, you come up with a de definition that means strength under power. In other words, strength under, I'm sorry, strength under control. It's like this power under control. In other words, if you go back to classical Greek or everyday Greek, when, how they would use this word in common language, uh, they would use this word uh, in relationship to like a wild horse or a stallion. That one, uh, one point in, in its life, that it was, it, was, it was not strength under control and it was it was it was it was more destructive than anything else. But you get the horse and you put a bit in its mouth, and then all of a sudden you change it. Strength under control. All of a sudden you change it, and it becomes very productive. And so a, a meek person, when you just look at scripture, a meek person doesn't overreact in, in life. A meek person is not driven by by their emotions, whether it's anger, whether it's whether it's fear whether it's resentfulness, whether it's unforgiveness, whether it's bitterness, whether it's rage, whether any of those things. In other words, that a, a meek person lives a life under control because under the control of God. A meek person is, 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 is someone who, 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 isn't, who isn't real moody. And what I mean by that is a meek person isn't someone that you got to be careful with because if I say the wrong thing, it is like going to set them off. Like I, know, I, no long, I, know, I don't know when they're going to blow. I don't know when they're going to get angry. So guess what? I better, I better choose my words carefully. I better choose how I handle this because it doesn't take much to set them off. See, when you look at this word meek, you get other words with it. It means to be gentle. It means to be humble. It means to be submissive. In other words, meekness, the reason it's so important is, is meekness 
is powerful in relationships when we understand it. Meekness helps us to resolve conflict in relationships. Meekness helps us to avoid conflict in relationship. Uh, a lot of times when I talk with married couples, you know, they'll, they'll say things like, you know what, uh, we're just having trouble getting along. And for some reason, we can't get along. And, and we, just, we just argue so much. I mean, we know we love each other. We know we care for each other. But we seem to have these major blow-ups over minor issues. And, and you, you can talk to people in the workplace. And they say, we, we don't know why it is, but there's a lot of conflict in the workplace. There's a lot of there's a lot of conflict with, with, with others. And so you talk to parents and parents will start talking about uh, with their kids. There's like this constant tension and, and they don't understand it. And they don't understand why there has to be this argumentative mode, mode in, the, in, in the house. And so James talks about what it means to flesh out meekness, how to resolve conflict how to flesh out meekness in relationships. And so, so James, there's two types of writers in scriptures. There's kind of the beat around the bush writers and there's, there, there's to the point writers. And so James would classify in, he gets right to the point. He, he, he just very direct and he gets right to the point. And so we're going to use James chapter four, verses one through 10 as a commentary. And we're going to, we're going to, we're going to understand what it means to how to handle how to handle conflict, how to resolve conflict, and how meekness plays into that. And so James chapter 4, verse 1, here's, here's what James says. He says, what causes quarrels and, and, and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? Your desire and you desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot attain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is an enmity uh, with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? But, talk about God, but he gives more, he gives, he gives more grace... Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you're double-minded. Be, be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and, and he, will, he will exalt you. So I've entitled this message, The Right Stuff, that, if, that if, we, if we understand this, that if we have the right stuff, there'll be three things that are right within us, or there'll be three things that are right in our life. And so the first one is this, if we understand, if we understand meekness, we will be right with ourselves. We will come to that place to we'll be right with ourselves. And it's so inter interesting to me, the progression of this and how, how James progresses through this. And so he says, the first thing is this, is we're going to be right with ourselves. Uh, verse one. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? So, so James says right off the bat, I mean, he, he just like gets to the point. And he says, what, what causes problems in you is that war that's going on inside of you. See, a lot of times we think it, it's about them or it's about things going on on the outside. And James is like, uh, you need to understand this. Some of the conflict that happens, it's, it's, like, it's like an inside job. In other words, James says what happens is it's conflicting desires in relationships. It's conflict, conflicting desires with, with people. In other words, this, when my wants conflict with your wants, then all of a sudden in life, sparks are going to fly. 
I mean, conflicts, if we just look at this, conflicts start early in life. If you've ever been around young kids, you see it, right? I mean, we're, we're dealing with grandkids right now. We, we, we watch the grandkids uh, uh, on my day off, and then we're headed up tonight, and we'll spend some time with grandkids again. And, and so we have three of them. And so it's amazing to me that they can have, they can have a room full of toys, right? They can have a thousand toys, and they all want what? They want the same toy. And they want to fight over the same toy. And you know what? You can even get that kid that, that the only reason that kid wants that toy is because his brother wants that toy and he wants to keep his brother from having that toy, right? I mean, you, you just watch it in life. In other words, we start spending time with them trying to teach them to just to share. And so, so it's this issue about um, desires or wants that, that begin to conflict. And so marriage has built-in conditions for, for conflict, Right? I mean, if we're not careful, we go into marriage and we, we have all these unrealistic expectations and then all of a sudden uh, we're married and, it's for, and for some of us, it's like, it's like a, a rude awakening. All of a sudden, our desires begin to, to conflict and, and because of that, there's, there's, there's conflict in, in marriage. One, one guy once said, there's, there's three stages of marriage. Uh, stage one is happy honeymoon. Stage two is the party is over. And stage three is let's make a deal. And so that's where, you know what, if we're honest and we're, we're authentic, that's where a lot of us live in marriage, right? Let, let's just make a deal. Let's learn how to compromise. Uh, let's learn how to compromise in this area. And if not, you're going to have all kinds of conflict. And so, so James says there's, there's three desires that, that if those desires in my life or your life get out of control, it's going to cause horrible issues because what James is saying is a lot of our conflict is is a war that's going on inside of us and so the first desire that, that can get out of co uh, out of out of control is this is the desire to have in other words I, in other words I, I want to have in other words it's the issue of materialism it's the issue of possessions uh, verse 2 James says you desire and do not have so you murder you covet and cannot obtain so you fight and quarrel you do not have because you, because you do not ask. In other words, this, when, when you look at Scripture, Jesus teaches us and the Scriptures teach us that God has given, given us things to, to enjoy, material things. He's given those things for us to enjoy. And so you, so you don't need to feel bad about that. You don't need to feel guilty about that, that God has given us some things to, to enjoy. But, 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 and so here, here's the thought. The thought is, is God has created things for us to enjoy and people to love. In other words, this, we should use things and love people. And what happens when this desire I want to have gets, gets out of balance, gets out of check, all of a sudden we get that equation backwards, and you know what we do? We love things and we use people. People who aren't meek, when this is out of control... All of a sudden, they love their toys, they love their possessions, they love their things, their, their hobbies. Their, they, they love those things way more than they love people. And then all of a sudden, they start loving things and they start using people, and so they, they manipulate people, they try to intimidate people, they try to control people. Um, they, they, uh, they begin moving people around and using people like objects or using people like a tool so that they look good or so they get the things that they want. And so this, when this desire to have becomes the number one thing in your life, it's, it's going to create conflict. I mean, it's materialism and, 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 and possessions. In fact, is Gallup poll just did a, just did a survey of, of couples who had experienced divorce 
And here's what they found. 56% of couples who have divorced did so because of an issue of money, because of an issue of possessions, because of an issue of, of a different conflicting desires about a view of money. And so this, this can leave you, this can leave you, uh, when, 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 when you love things and use people, it can leave you feeling empty in life. The second desire that James says that can be out of control is, is I, I want to feel good. Not only do I want to have, but, but I, I, I want to feel good. In other words, if it feels good, do it. In other words, life is all about me. Uh, verse 3, James says, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Uh, Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, 17, and he says, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to, everything to enjoy. So in other words, in other words we are to, we are to use, use things and we're to love people. In other words, when pleasure becomes our number one goal in life, if it feels good, do it, then, then, then we're asking for conflict in, in relationships. If, if, I am, if I am more interested in, in, in my stuff, if I'm more interested in my comfort than I am in, in your comfort, then, then you know what? It's, it, it's going to create conflict in, in, in relationships. The third thing is this, a desire that can get out of control is this, is, is I, want, I want to be number one. In other words, I, I, I just want to be number one. I want to win at everything. I want to win all the fights. I want to win all the arguments. I, uh, this is pride. This is power. This is prominence. This is popularity. I mean, the, the fact is, well, look at this. Proverbs 13.10 says this. says, pride leads to conflict. Who takes advice or, or wise? In other words, pride will keep you from taking advice. Pride will keep you from taking advice unless someone just argues it into the ground and finally you're able to see their point. But this is just so simple. When you start looking at this verse, if I, if I am too proud in relationships to compromise, it's going to cause conflicts. And it's going to make the other person feel like that you don't love them, that you're like using them and you're using them for your comfort. And, and see, because of pride in relationships, we don't want to make a deal. Because of pride in relationships, we don't want to compromise. Because of pride in the life, listen, pride, pride in relationships will keep you from seeing the other person's point of view. You, you, you'll just take that position that I, I'm 100% right and they're 100% wrong. You ever, you ever been in an argument with like a husband or a wife or a relationship and, and you're in this argument and you get about halfway through and all of a sudden it's, oh no, you realize you're wrong? What do you do? See, pride will keep you from saying you're wrong. Pride will cause you to go ahead and argue your point. Even though you know you're wrong now, even though you know there was some missing information, even all of a sudden, listen, pride, pride, keep, pride is a dangerous thing. And pride will keep you from compromising. Pride will keep you from, from seeing it from another person's point of view. And a lot of times when we get involved in conflict, when, when we have those, those moments, we have to stop and ask ourselves, is it worth it? Is this really a big, is this a minor issue or is this a big issue? Is, is this an issue worth losing a relationship over? So the first thing is this, that, it, that if you have the right stuff, the first thing is this, is, is we will be right with ourselves. The second thing is this, uh, we will be right with him or, or God. I mean, it's so interesting to me about this progression of this, and all of a sudden now we get down to the place of we're right with ourselves and we need to be right with him. Uh, verse 6 out of James, it says, 
but he, God, gives, gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I don't know about you, I don't want to be in a category of people that God opposes me. Fact is, you, you can grab some Bible software off of the internet, or maybe you own some, and you can, you can do a Bible search, and you start going through Scripture, and you know what you realize? That prideful people are the only group of people that God opposes. That shocked me. Because there's a lot of sin issues that I would think, oh, if God was to oppose one group, it would be that group of people. It would be that group of people that did that. That's not what the scripture says. The scripture says that God only opposes one group of people, the prideful. You know why? Because the prideful will not listen to him. The prideful people do not even really believe that they like need him. I mean, when you just start looking at this issue, it says, but, but, he, gives, but he gives more grace. And so you have to ask yourself, what is grace? Grace is this. Grace is the power to change. Grace is the power in my life and grace is the power in your life to, to change. And so if you were to answer this question, what, what do you want to change about yourself, whether it's your personality or some of the things that you do, uh, then whatever it is, you're going, to need grace. you're going to need grace to do it because grace is the power to change in our life. Uh, you know, whatever you want to change about a relationship, whatever you want to change about a marriage, whatever you want to change about parenting or, 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 co or any situation that you're in, every one of us are going to need grace to make that change. In other words... In other words, a humble person understands that, guess what, I, I, I can't change it on my own. A humble person understands their, their need of God. And grace is the ability to change, and so you need God's power. And that's called grace. And, and Well, verse 10 in James chapter 4, it says, Humble yourselves before the Lord, and, and He will exalt you. A prideful person says, I'll exalt myself. I'll exalt myself over people. I will control them. I will man manipulate them. I will intimidate them to where, I, you know what, to where I'm just, I am, I am always right. Because in, in this instance, being right is way more important than the relationship. You can be right and wrong at the same time. You know that, right? You can be right about something, but you can be wrong in the way that you go about it. You can be wrong in that conversation. And so when you start looking at this, you realize that, that, that Scripture says that, that just the opposite. You know what? If, if I'll humble myself, God will exalt me. I don't know about you, but I would rather have God exalt me than me have to try to exalt myself because I'm, it, it will wear you out just emotionally. And then James begins even going deeper and says, and, and so the way that you do this, the way that you have humility in your life, the way that you develop this, he just, he, he just, he just tells us, and we have it as a bullet point, he says you, you have to grow closer to God. You have to set yourself on a path to grow closer to God. Uh, verses 2 and 3, here's what it says. He says, you desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive. Because you ask wrongly to spend it on your, your passions. So James tells us two reasons why our, why our desires aren't fulfilled. We don't pray and we don't ask God. In other words, we, we look to the wrong source to, to meet our needs. In other words, we look either to ourselves or we look to other people. And listen, let me tell you something. No human, you or someone else, can meet every one of your needs in life. Nobody can live a life like that. Nobody lives a life of perfection like that. And so God, God's the one that says, you know what, I'll, I'll meet your needs if you'll just let me. 
And so what happens is, 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 is what James says, is there's sometimes we, we, ask, we ask for for selfish things. We ask for things that, that just to make our life easier, make our life better. But, but what James is saying is, is that when we come to the place to where we humble ourselves, that God will, God will exalt us and he'll give us grace. I don't know if this is true with you, but, but sometimes it's true with me and it really bothers me. There's a lot of times we'd rather fight than pray. You ever notice that? There's a lot of times in life that, you know what, we are, we are ready for a war we are ready for a fight, and, and we, would, we would rather fight and push our way because in our mind that would be easier than depending on God. I don't know if you're like me, but when I'm upset at my wife and we're in conflict, I never think about praying. I mean, why is that about us? And James says that's the problem. When we begin to look to ourselves or look to others to, to solve these issues, in fact, is what James was said about this issue of, pri of pride. Prayerlessness in itself is an evidence of pride. In other words, the, the, re the real reason we don't pray is because we don't think we need God. The real reason we don't pray, we, we, you know what, God, we, we've got this. I'm smart enough, I'm educated enough, I'm experienced enough, God... God, we got this. And can I just tell you, in the season of life that, that my family is in right now, uh, there's two things we're learning, what, what it truly means to grow closer to God and find strength in that, and what it means to pray. What it means to be up against a battle that, guess what, you cannot solve. That there's not an, there's not an earthly answer. And, and James would say that if, if, we, if, we, if, we, if we would like to have a lot more peace in life, then we need to learn to connect with God. We need to learn to pray. Uh, if we would learn to pray and learn to life journal and learn to read his, his word, uh, we, would, we would have more peace. Uh, we, would, we would worry a lot less. And then, and then we, we wouldn't fight over some, some small things if we just prayed more. James uh, 4, 6 says, is, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. In other words, pride not only causes conflict with others, Pride causes conflict with God. And you know what God does when, when the reason he's, when, he, when he says he opposes the pride, uh, the proud? You know what he's saying? He's saying, I declare war on your selfishness. Isn't that what we do on kids, with kids? I mean, when, when our grandkids, when our grandkids like start fighting over, the, over that, that, that toy and, and, and their selfishness going on, you know what I do? I declare war on their selfishness, and good parents do that, and good parent, grandparents do that, right? And you start taking toys away, you start putting kids in, in time out, uh, you, you start, you start uh, doing all sorts of different things, you start teaching them to share and everything else, because parents know and grandparents know that if, if, if they don't break this pattern of selfishness, it's going to hurt them their entire life. They have to learn to share. And God is the same way. Have you ever noticed that God has a unique way of engineering circumstances to like destroy your pride or to help you understand that you still need him? You ever gotten to that place in life to where you think, you know what, I pretty much have it together. I've got things figured out. We're in a good season of life. And, and, and you know what? From here on out, it's going to be like smooth sailing. And then, then you kind of start drifting away from God, and you don't think you need him like you once did. And then all of a sudden, God places you in a circumstance. He places you in a situation to remind you that, you know what? I still need him. 
And I need him in every area of my life. And so James says, when we come to that place, he said, here's the, cur- the cure. Uh, verse 7, James says, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and, and he will flee from you. In other words, to where you come to the place, you just let God be God in your life, and you, you give God control, and you put him in charge. And, and listen, you quit try, listen, you quit trying to run your own life. You understand there's a lot of things in life you cannot control. You cannot control how someone responds to you. You cannot control some of the circumstances and situations in your life. And so what he's saying is, is, is it takes meekness. It takes, strength under, it takes strength under control. Man, when you have the ability that you could literally emotionally crush someone. Because you can yell louder than them. You can intimidate them. You can use some words and you can push their emotional buttons and just like send them over the edge. And yet meekness is like that strength under control. James says, James says the reason conflicts happen is because of many times what's going on inside of you. Sometimes the reason we have trouble getting along with other people is because like this civil war going on inside of us and that's the real issue. And so James says the starting point is to find peace in your heart, find peace in your life, find, find peace of mind because Sometimes the real conflict is, is who is in charge of, uh, uh, of your life. And you know what? If, if you're in charge of your life, then anybody that comes along and does something that you disagree with or doesn't go the way that you want them to go may not even be a, a sin issue. Then you get uptight. You get, you get irrational. Uh, you, you, get, you, get, you get angry. And so that's why, that's why Colossians says, 3.15 says, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body, and, and be thankful. Listen, when, when, when we have the peace of God in our heart, we'll be at peace with others as far as it depends on us. Live at peace with everyone. God's peace in our heart. Listen, you can only control people so long. You can only manipulate people so long. You can only treat people like a tool to where you, you move them around for, for your blessing to where all of a sudden, you know what, there comes a time when, when they get tired of that. I mean, it, it only works on the short term, to where you have to come to that thy will be done instead of my will be done, or thy will be done instead of, instead of me first. And so what James says is the, rate, the way that you grow closer to God is through Bible study, it's through life journaling, it's through worship, it's through life groups, it's through, uh, it's through friends that can speak truth into your life. Because here's, here's the crazy thing, I, I made this amazing discovery years ago, that the more time I spend alone with God, the better the better I get along with people. The better I get along with my wife, and the better she gets along with me. Because I'm, I'm telling you, my, my wife can tell the quality of my time with God by the way I respond to her, the way I respond to our daughters and grandkids, the way I respond to relationships around me. And so, so James would say we have to be right with ourselves and we have to be right with him. And the, and the last thing is this, is, is we have to be we have to be right with others. If you want to stop conflicts in your life and you want to get along with, with other people and avoid arguments, then, then you know what? You have to learn to humble yourself. You have to learn to, to ask for forgiveness. You have to learn to say, I'm sorry. You have to learn to say, I'm, I'm sorry how I hurt you. I'm sorry those words. I'm sorry that look. I'm sorry how I handled that situation. Verse 8 says... Here's a promise, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. In other words, it's an invitation. 
Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. In other words, our hands represent our conduct and our hearts represent our, our attitude. And so here's what he's saying. He's saying, clean up your heart and clean up your attitude. Do something, do something with your attitude and do something, do something with your, art, your heart. In other words, when, when conflict comes and someone says, I'm upset with you if you've hurt me, don't try to minimize their hurt. Don't try to minimize their pain. In other words, take it seriously. If someone comes to you and says, you hurt me, then guess what? You hurt them. So many times in our arguments, we argue over feelings. And we start to, a prideful person tells someone, you don't have the right to feel that way. You should have never felt that way. You should have never thought those things. Listen, I'm telling you, when we understand this at a deeper level, we understand that, that feelings are not sin. Feelings are not right or wrong. Feelings can come from background. Feelings can come from childhood. Feelings can come from how we process things. But listen, if, if someone says you've hurt them, then you've hurt them. And be willing to have a conversation with them. Be willing to say, I apologize. Be willing to say, I'm sorry. Instead of arguing over, why do you feel that way? And I don't think you should feel that way. I mean, and we, 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 when we're humble and when we're meek, we're willing to ap apologize for our part. Man, the person you're in conflict with, they may be 95% wrong. And you may be 5% at fault. Can I just tell you, I've never seen someone 100% right and someone 100% wrong in any situation. Never. And so they may be 95% wrong. I mean, the majority of the, the, the wrong might be theirs. They may be 95% wrong, and you may be 5% at fault. Instead of arguing over that, how a meek person, a meek person will go to that person and says, you know what, I, I know we've had our differences, and I, I know we have some conflict, and I... I haven't always been thoughtful for you. I've said some things. I've done some things. And, and, um, and, and, and I just want you to know I'm, I'm going to care more about, about your needs. How, how humbling would that would be? But God gives grace to the humble. You want to reduce conflict, then how about being the bigger person, even though you're maybe at 5% wrong, and going to them and, and cracking the door open and say, listen, I just want to own my part. Your response is your response. I don't even know how you're going to respond. I'm not, even going to kind of, I'm not even going to control that. Guess what? Your response is really between you and God. And here's what I'm going to do. I, I'm, ju I'm just going to own my stuff. And I'm asking you to forgive me. I could have responded different to the hurt. I could have said some things different. I, I, I could have done... And so I'm sorry. That's why... James 4.10 says, humble yourselves before the Lord and, 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 and He, and He will exalt you. He is the one that will exalt you. What James says is the reason that we have so much conflict is because of conflicting desires, because of, because of pride. Paul writes in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, he says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. So what Paul's saying is pride causes conflict. And when, when he makes a statement, 
let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. He's not as saying, ignore your needs. He's not saying your needs don't matter. But what he is saying is this, out of humility, be able to see their needs. Out of humility, be able to see their hurt and, 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 and their pain. It never says you don't have needs and you shouldn't care about them. And that's why he said that your, your attitude should be the same of, that is of Christ Jesus. And that's why he said, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Because God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble in relationships, and he is the one that will exalt you and them.